It's a new you today, and it's a new year. I've been praying about how God wants us to go out in 2019, and he keeps putting it on my heart, forgetting the past, forgetting what happened in 2018 and looking forward to what lies ahead. And and again, that's Philippians 3.13. Paul said them words himself. Amy came to me, and, and actually her idea was a new you, new year. And, and her scripture that she had and read to you guys in the opening video today, and it's neat how the Lord works through his people, but the scripture God put on her heart, and she's preaching at, at, well, right now at 1130 at Carthage. But, but forget all that, meaning what happened in 2018. It is not compared to what, is going to what I'm going to do in 2019. Now I added the 18s and 19s in there, but I'm still reading the scripture here. For I'm about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you see it? I'll make a, my, make a pathway through the wilderness. I'll create rivers in the dry wasteland. And then the word that, that, that the Lord's been given Jim, that he read earlier out of Psalms. And we have that choice, whether to step into this new area or to, to stay in the past. And I was thinking about that, you know, there's a lot of things in the past that I don't for sure want to remember in 2018 and, and don't want to entertain. I don't want to even look at them. You know, I want to move on. But, but the Lord really hit me is the, the error that I think we can get into and I think Oak can get to get into is that we, we see all the good things God did. And, and we see all the good things God did in the past to the point, can he do even any better? Can God do more for me than what he's already done? And I began to look back that back in 1999 when, and, and earlier we were as a church of 70 and, and, and the Holy Ghost moved so strong, I can remember that, that they would come up and if the church was overfilled, there was certain ones of us that would go outside so that somebody could have the seat. Back up in the old sanctuary, old GJs. Man, them were the glory days. Man, no room, standing room only. People had to stand outside. And, and then we come in and we built this sanctuary. And, and the way the Lord moved in building this sanctuary and, and out in the middle of nowhere and how God has done what he's done. And, and I just think of high points throughout. You know, I can go on. 205 was another big year. 2009 was another great year. 2014 was another great year. And the Lord began to tell me that, that, that maybe Oakton's getting caught up in the, the great years of the past. And we've forgotten that no eye has seen, no ear has heard what God wants to do. And a couple of weeks ago, I preached on how that Joseph's life, how it took him 20 to 30 years to fulfill what God had for him. And probably longer than that, that God showed him a dream and he had to press into that dream. And, and the first time that he felt victory in that dream, he could have stopped and said, oh, this year's so good. I don't need to do any more. God's complete in me. But he didn't. He knew that there was more. And he kept pressing into God. And, and he moved to a new level and another new level and another new level. But it took years for the vision that God gave him to come to completion. But I think what we got to watch as a body and individuals that, that old things have been good and, and that's as good as it's going to get. 
You know, I've heard it once, I've heard it a hundred times that, that man, Barton County is only 15,000 people. Oakland can't expect to get any bigger than they are. Well, I know a God that can do anything. You know, and, and I hear this, well, well, you know, I put in my time, I don't need to do anymore. Man, I, I've done, I've been, man, I was there in 09, I was there in 12, I was there in 14. I don't need to be there in 18, it's time for the younger ones to step in. Are you dead? No. Then you're not done. The dream isn't complete until God takes us home. But that's what the Lord cautioned me as a church that, that we're looking to all the past things when God's wanting to do much, much more. Some of you are looking at the past and looking at who aren't here and who should be here, and we're focused on the negative. Some are focused on, oh, we've done so much we can't do anymore, or we've done it this way, we can't change it, to the point that we're not allowing God to do what he wants to do. And we need to clear the slate. You know, just like that the, when we come in here, and all of us are on diets right now, the first week of January. We're all going to lose weight. We're going to the gym. It's a new us. We need to look that way at the church and say that God's just getting started. Things are just moving. This is just a step. God told us to go north, south, east, and west. And to my last recollection, we've just been south and east. He's not done yet. He's just getting started. As I was praying and asking the Lord, well, how do you want us to move out in 19? You know, do you want us the same mission statement? Do you want the same things? And he said, yes, your mission statement is to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Our motto is go, save, disciple, send. It's a continuous cycle. We continue to raise up people and send them out. And, and sometimes they go outside of our body. That's okay. But go save disciples' sin. That's what God's called us to do. And that hasn't changed. But again, I said, Lord, well then, how do you want us to go save disciples' sin in 2019? And he spoke it to me as clear as life. In my love. In my love. And the Lord spoke to me that this world doesn't know how to love. This world doesn't know how to receive love. The Lord, this world doesn't know what love is anymore. And we need to show them. That's what God has told us to go save disciples' sin. We accomplish that by showing people what love is. Biblical love, not our idea of love. But what God's love is. So today, that's what I wanted to focus on. The five New Year resolutions that that I believe God has given us as a church is to realize how much God loves us and receive his love. How to love God back. And it needs to be a two-way street. And how to love people around us. And again, I'm talking a biblical love. And, and I've changed it since the first service, but, but I'm adding in love does not destroy people. And, and that's gonna, I'm going to fit that in somewhere. But the last point I want to close out with today is, is, is how to show love to this world. And God is really burning this on my heart today. So, Father, I ask that we hear what you're trying to say. Lord, I ask that I hear to, and get it across. And, Father, I've been anointed and appointed for this time. 
And Father, the people have been anointed and appointed for this time. And Father, open our ears to hear from you today in Jesus' name. And Satan, we bind you in all the distractions going on. And Father, again, we give you this time as our act of worship in Jesus' name. Amen. When I began to work on this, I asked the Lord even to the next point. And, and guys, the Lord will talk to you, but I always confirm it through his word. And if his word doesn't confirm what he's talking to you, then I wouldn't be doing it. But I said, Lord, how do you want the people to receive this word today? And, and he, I believe, showed me to do it through the book of John and the book of 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. But those four books is where I'm going to be bouncing around from, maybe for a few weeks, I don't know. But next week, we'll probably dip into it a little bit more. But the first one is the one that we know so well, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And boy, this is what rocked me today is, is God has poured out his love. Father, send your rain. Boy, we heard that and felt that today. God's love was pouring out on us today. God loves us more than we could ever imagine. Man, he, he wants to consume us. He wants to fill us. He wants to be our joy. And guys, our spirit longs for it. That's why when, when, when we can sit and worship him like we do today is because our spirits long for that worship. And I would challenge you to do it more at home. I would challenge you to worship him at work, on the road, however it may be. I remember working for Gary Dunn when I was just out of high school. And Gary had land everywhere, and he'd put me out in the middle of nowhere on a cabless tractor. And I would just worship the Lord and thank him a lot of times. Man, just screaming at the top of my lungs. I could say and do anything I wanted to do. It didn't matter. Man, we just need to worship him. Give glory to him in all things. And, and guys, I wasn't living for the Lord very good back then either. But my spirit longed for the Lord. Man, my spirit longed to be united from him when, when he gave a call upon my life at 12 and, and, and put the call of ministry upon my life at 12. I ran from that. And man, he wooed me for years and he wooed me and he wooed me. And I can remember the day that I walked back into that calling and said, Lord, I'm tired of running. That prodigal son coming home. Man, again, the Lord is so awesome. The guy that at 12 years old, that I came to the altars and, and told the church that I would, would be saved was Walter Garfield. And then I ran from God when I was 16 to 18 to 19. When I came home, the altar that I went to, guess who prayed with me but Walter Garfield? Is it a revival in Lamar? Didn't even know he was there. And had been running from the call and the joy and the presence of God is just pulling at me. I want you, Ken. I need you, Ken. And, and I went to the altars and guess who prayed for me? God's pretty good, isn't he? He knew I respected Walt and I loved him and that he could minister to me. God loves you today. First John tells us about that in First John chapter, uh, um, 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 let me see where I'm at here, two. Actually, I'm going to go chapter one here. And I deleted where it's at, but it's one through six, I'm pretty sure. But that which was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. Man, that ought to jump out to you. That which was from the beginning, Christ was from the beginning. In the beginning, John 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and he was God. Jesus was with God from the very start. He was in heaven. He was with God in the beginning. And he 
and we've heard about him through the Old Testament, through the prophets, and our eyes now have met him. Our eyes have contacted Jesus' eyes. We have looked upon him. Our hands have handled him concerning the word of life. Man, we ought to get pretty excited about that. Because Jesus is in here now, and you can see him, you can handle him, you can touch him. He's just as live today as he was yesterday. But he came, verse 3, so that we may have fellowship. That that the Father with his Son, Jesus Christ, that we might have fellowship. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. Man, your joy will never be full. Until you're sold out for Jesus. Your joy will never be full until you're in his presence every day. Even the believers that are struggling, you struggle because you're not in the presence of God enough. And I don't mean that slap you. Your spirit longs for the presence. My spirit longs for the presence. I want to be in his presence. Two, how to love God back. This is from 1 John 2, 1 through 6. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He himself is the propitiation, the mercy seat for our sins. Uh, 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just. What? To forgive us our sins, but not only forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Set us free for our sins and not for only ours, but also for the whole world. Now by this, we know that we know him. In other words, this is how that love relationship works back and forth. How do I get to know him more? How do I love him more if we keep his commandments? One, he who says I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God perfects him. By this we know that we are in him. Who says he abides in him, ought himself, walk just as he walked. So through Jesus' words, through John here, through the word of the Bible, it says if you want to love God, then keep his commands. Keep his commands. It's a two-way street. Think about the Ten Commandments there, what God has asked us to do in them. If we love him, we will do those things. I think of a relationship that, that I've helped in marriage counseling and, and before I'm getting ready to marry Kyle and Giselle and we're going to come together and we're going to work together and work on this marriage. And, and there may be things that, that Giselle says, oh, I need to take a look at this. And there's going to be things that Kyle's going to say, oh, I need to take a look at this. And together, they're going to work through these things. And that's the way it is with a love relationship with Christ. When we know that our lover, our father says, man, Kent, I want you to honor the Sabbath. Man, that ought to be my number one priority is honoring the Sabbath on Sunday morning. Man, that ought to be top notch. Obey my commands. Simple. When you get in the Sabbath, what does that do for you? Gets you into what we're doing today. That's why Christ wants us to honor the Sabbath. That's why I said honor the Sabbath, because you'll experience me. Christ says, hey, don't commit adultery. The reason he says not to commit adultery is because of the pain and the hurt that he knows it's going to put on your life. That's why he does it. I mean, none of the commandments are there to hurt us. The commandments are there to to bring us into a relationship with him because he don't want us hurt. Man, so many times when we just take offense that, well, God doesn't want us to do this, he doesn't want us to do this. He doesn't want you to do it because it hurts you. You ever think about it that way? Sin hurts you. But what better way to love God 
than to say, I'm going to honor your Ten Commandments. I'm going to honor your word. The second thing, why? For the word is alive and it's powerful. Man, his word, I can apply it to my life and it works. Man, man I'm battling and I need healing. First, first, or second Peter, first Peter 2.24, by his stripes I'm healed. We can go to the word and, and Christ has forgiven me. He's thrown my sins as far as east is from the west and I can be built up in the word. But Romans 10, 17, so faith comes from hearing. That hearing is hearing the good news about Christ. We need to devour this word. We need to, to dig in this word. We need to plow this word in, into our life, into our soil. Why? Who's the word? Jesus. We need to put him fully in our lives. And then last walk as Jesus walked. What would Jesus do? Three, how do people love others? Who says we're going to go from 1 John 3, 10, uh, 11, and then 14 through 18, I don't know. And he says, he, and who, he who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in the darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in light and there is no cause for stumbling. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. In this, the children of God, and I'm going to jump down to 1 John 3.10 now. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not from God, nor is he who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love our love one another. Verse 14. 1 John 3, 14, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. Who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, How does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. How do we love our brothers? We live in righteousness. What really caught my eye in this, that we abide in the light. If we want to love our brothers and our sisters, we stay in the presence of the Lord to the point that that he's just moving through us. And when we get around our brothers, we can minister to them. We get around our sisters. God has been speaking to us. We can minister to their lives. The best thing you can do for your family is abide in the vine, abide in Jesus, and then show it to them, share it with them, love on them with it. The second thing, thing I see in this We do not cause our brothers to stumble. We see that all through the scripture. If we're causing our brothers to stumble or our sisters to stumble, Christ is saying through John here that that you're probably not even saved to begin with. If we're tearing down and destroying each other all the time, we're not abiding in the light. We're not abiding in righteousness. We're not abiding in the things of God. We're for sure not abiding in love. Then what are we abiding in? The opposite. We should do nothing to cause our brothers and sisters to stumble. 
Our words and actions should bring life. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat of its fruit. God has really been dealing with me on this very thing here. That, but I don't think we realize how much junk we speak out. Uh, my mom got after me the other day and, and wrote me a big old letter about my words that I was saying to her. And I may not be saying them to the congregation. I may not be saying them to my wife, but I'm venting them to her and I'm still speaking them. And she said, don't speak those words. Them words aren't anything about God. And again, oh, I'm just venting. We like to use the excuse to vent to say things that are hurtful that we want to say. And it's a cop-out. Our words are powerful to the point where yesterday me and Karen went to Joplin. This is the silliest example you could ever think of. But God convicted me of it. But we were driving around. I don't even remember what happened. I, I, I have no idea what even happened. But I called this person, I can't remember what I said, something idiot. And what did I say? Blooming idiot. Somebody's at the first service. And I go, that blooming idiot. And the thing was, I didn't even know what I said. And the Lord started dealing with me during the first service during worship. Do you even know what blooming means? What you said? You just said that guy's blooming into an idiot. That's what you confessed over him. And that's just an old saying that dad taught me. (laughs) Sorry, dad. We're really laying it out here today. Yeah, that's why I'm passing the blame is what he said. By the way, those that don't know, that's my mom and dad over there. And, and, but again, he didn't ever do that. He was a righteous dad. And he abided in the vine. But, but our words, that reminded me of something else. Mom called me over there yesterday to, to put up her Christmas stuff. And she said, Dad can't do it right now. Could you do it? And so I was being silly and, and I said, I don't want to put this up. I don't want to do that. I complained the whole time I was there being silly. And, and she goes, if you're trying to act like your dad, he doesn't act like that. <laughs> and I said, how did you know I was trying to treat you like he does? You see, our words are, are things, and I know we're playing around a lot of times and we're joking right now, but our words either bring life or they bring death. The things we do either bring life or they bring death. And we need to realize that, that God wants us to bring love in 2019, or 2019, amen. That just hit me, 2019. He wants us to bring love. You see, God's love will not destroy people. His love, this is slide 13, I'm jumping around on you, is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. It it keeps no record of of being wronged. Huh? It does not rejoice about injustice. Huh? Do we rejoice when others are hurting? But rejoices when the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. It always is hopeful and endures through every circumstance. And I, I want them to show you a video, and it's slide 14, I believe. I'm jumping around again. But love should protect. This happened in Albania. And I'll never forget the day that this happened. But, but watch this film here. That's an Albanian chicken, by the way. 
That's Albanian grass. By the way, there's 12 little birds there. Nina, you remember that? I was just infatuated by that, wasn't I? Because the first time that happened, I didn't know they were under there. But that mother hen was protecting them. She was looking out for them. She was guarding them. And, and man, I went over and, and moved her the first time, and then things took off. But they went over, and she went over here and sat down, and they went back up underneath her. And I thought, someday I want to use that. So I thought I'd throw it in today to kind of break things up. But our love protects. Our love builds up. It doesn't tear down. Guys, in a lot of cases, Satan speaks a lot of trash. And he speaks it to our minds. And when we repeat it, we've just been used by Satan. Satan speaks a lot of thoughts to our minds. Uh, you know, uh, a lot of us, we say, watch our words. But, but guys, watch your thoughts. Because Satan will put thoughts in your mind that bring div- division and discord. And we need to guard our thoughts. But sadly, many people listen to Satan and they begin to repeat, believe, repeat, believe, repeat until they divide themselves from the truth. That's why we need love in this, this world, guys. You can see it. Man, the, the, in the news, Democrat and Republican, there is absolutely no love. In our own denomination, and really in our church, guys, we need to really work on love. We need to press into loving brothers above all things. And, and I'm going to get into the meat of it. This here is really what the Lord wanted me to say today. He burned this part here on me. The scripture he gave me for today was Acts 1.8. And we all know it, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witness to, in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. You know, normally when we're taught that scripture, you know, we're taught at the, that we're going to be ministering at home and in our houses. Then we're going to be ministering at churches as in Judea. And then we're going to minister in Samaria, which is Kansas City or, you know, United States somewhere. And then we're going to minister into the world, which is, you know, Bailey's going to Jamaica. We're going to Albania. We're going to Liberia. That's the way we use that scripture so many times. But what the Spirit also spoke to me that this scripture means, and I'm going to get into that here in just a second. But when you you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, meaning you're going to be witnesses in your home, your children, your family, you know, my mom and dad, my brothers, my home. And again, Judea, I'm going to be ministering God's love in Judea. That's Oakton Church. And that's here where our family is. And it's pretty easy to minister love here and everybody likes us and, and things are good and we're ministering love here. But guys, Samaria, do you guys realize that Samaritans were hated by the Jews and the Jews hated Samaritans? Called them half-breeds? Remember the good Samaritan story we preach on from time to time? Man, the Lord really hit me that we need to love people that don't like us and that maybe we don't like so well. And then he got into the world. And I began to study that to the Gentiles and to the world. Well, that was Rome. Do you guys realize that that Israel was occupied by Romans at the time? Do you guys realize that that, that in, in AD 70, 
the Romans would destroy Jerusalem, killing over one million Jews, taking about 100,000 into slavery and captivity, and even scattering many from Palestine to other locations throughout the Roman Empire. They said that the Jews were spread out during this time all over the world because of the oppression the Romans were putting on them. Think about that. God told them, Jesus told them, you're going to receive power to not only minister at home, in your church area, and the friends and family, but you need to minister love to people in Samaria too, but you need to minister love to the Romans. Think about what he just asked them to do. And the funny thing is, Jesus even prophesied that the destruction of Rome, or of Jerusalem. He even told them that they're going to destroy them in Luke 19.44. And then they go a step further. The Romans destroyed the Jewish temple, their church. Actually, every stone was turned over to collect the gold that had melted and ran down into the cracks cracks of the temple. And Jesus even predicted that. Jesus said there would not be a stone that wasn't unturned in in the temple. The reason that every stone was unturned is when they set it on fire, the gold and all the the jewelry and the stuff began to melt and would fall down the cracks. They were turning the stones over to get the gold. Romans destroyed their temple, and God says, tells them through Christ, you're going to receive power to go minister to them. Did you ever think about that and realize that? Well, then there's even a step further than this. You know that, that, Rome, that Israel was under Roman occupation probably four to 500 years. And they were to go to the world, to these Gentiles. In Acts 10, actually to the Gentiles and the Roman centurion in Acts chapter 10. If you really want to get really down into it, they had to go minister to a Roman in, in Acts chapter 10, Cornelius. Romans would replace Jewish temples with their gods. They would rebuild Jerusalem as a Roman city and forbid circumcision. That was their whole belief. On the eighth day, Leviticus says, circumcise the child. And they banned, they banned circumcision. They would ban the Torah law, the Jewish calendar, and execute Jewish scholars. The Romans tried this genocide the Jews. This spurred on a, a, another revolt called the K-A, KOHBA revolt. And another mil, half million Jews died. And 50 towns and over 900 villages were destroyed. Think about that. And Jesus told the disciples. And you say, well, they were Christian Jews. They were still their brothers and sisters. Everything that they hung on to. They were Jews. The Romans came in and turned their world upside down. And Jesus said that when I'm gone, you do not leave Jerusalem until you receive the power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnessed as me in Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. God is calling us to go love at home and tell people the things about Christ. He's telling us to do it in our church. He's calling us out in 2019 to be willing to do that. But he's also calling us to go out in 2019 to those that don't like you. 
Those that have said bad things about you, them half-breeds that, that were with you one day and they burnt you the next day, you're still supposed to reconcile with them. When your brother has offended you, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to go to him. Wow. Love. So this isn't as easy as we thought it was going to be. Oh, this is easy, Pastor. We can love this year. You love somebody that doesn't like you. You pray for somebody that doesn't like you. And then you go to the point, the fourth thing you ask you is you pray and you minister to somebody that hates you, that's persecuting you, that took your land from you, that, that took your life from you, that took your child's life from you, that took something from you that was valuable. You minister to them the gospel. That's love. And that's the love God wants us to have in 2019. The reason I want this before us today, because God's going to send people in here that you don't like. We could even go back to step two. God's going to send people in here that, that are going to make you feel uncomfortable in your Bible groups. That are going to make you feel uncomfortable on Sunday. They take your seat. They take your parking place. You're going to get uncomfortable because somebody's coming into your house. But God wants you to love them. But God may send in the prostitute in here, the person that, that, that maybe even wrecked your life through a situation, and your responsibility is to love them. And by, what better way when somebody has wronged you and stole from you and, and treated you horribly that you could go up and share him the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because I believe he'll send them here. Because God's looking for a church that will love people. The neat thing is that God has provided a way. There's no reason for division or destruction there's no reason for negativity, all this, because 1 John 2.20. But you have an anointing, the Holy Ghost, from the Holy One, and you know all things. God has given us the Holy Ghost, and He, he knows all things. The next scripture I want to read to you is 1 John 2.27. But the anointing, the Holy Ghost which you have received from him abides in you. And you do not need anything to teach you, but as the same anointing, the Holy Ghost teaches you concerning all things and is true, and it is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. That's what's so neat about God. God has given us the Holy Spirit in our lives that when we can go to him over any situation, that Holy Spirit is in us. Don't leave Jerusalem till you receive the power. The Holy Spirit that's in you. It abides in you. It's in your heart. And when you go through situations, you go to the Holy Spirit and He's going to teach you all things. He's going to show you the answer for every situation. Whatever person He puts in your life, He's going to give you the answers for. Because He's in you. You receive the, 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 uh, a portion of the Holy Spirit at salvation, but if you hadn't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that's what he was talking about to the disciples. 
that baptism of the Holy Spirit, God alive in you, Jesus alive in you. He's going to teach you all things. Man, I've been to cemetery. I've been to college. I've been to all these things. But what the word of God's saying, you don't need any of those things. And I'm not knocking them really. I kidding around said cemetery. But, but, but Christ was saying that Holy Spirit will teach you all things. Anything you need to know, he's going to teach you. And so you're without excuse today. We are all without excuse. Whenever God puts something in your life, somebody in your life, you're without excuse. If you don't allow the Holy Spirit to move upon you. Examples all throughout the Bible. Praise team, if you want to come up, I just scan and make sure I didn't miss anything I wanted to say. But the praise team would come up. But you see all these things in the Bible that I'm talking about. That Peter and John, when they went to the, the, the crippled man at Gate Beautiful, I believe it was, but, but in Acts chapter 3, when he was begging for money, he says, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have, arise and walk. In other words, they got a person put in their life. The anointing of the Holy Spirit was with them. They touched that guy's life. They restored him. You know, that was kind of like the church. It was pretty simple. This guy was asking. He's in the church house. Man, he wants it. This is easy. But then they began to get some persecution. You know, the people and the leaders didn't like it. In chapter 4, they got after him. They warned him, you guys better get this stopped. Well, think about that. The Romans are tearing up the world. Jesus has just been crucified, and they warned me, man, that'd be a pretty scary place to be. The people that warned me killed Christ. And what did they do? But they went in Acts chapter 4 to their church, and they began to pray, and began to seek the anointing of the Holy Ghost, and that place was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost, and God gave them the words and told them the direction to go. Pretty simple. Pretty simple. You say, oh, pastor, I don't know about that. Well, let's go to the extreme. Let's go to the ones that do torture us, the ones that that do beat us in Acts chapter 16. When Paul and Silas, you guys know the story, the demon girl was bothering them, kept agitating. Finally, they turned around, said, away from me, Satan, delivered her, set her free. The people got upset. They started spreading the lies. Remember the, the lies we're talking about earlier? They began to spread lies and everything because they were losing money. That was the whole reason. Money's usually behind everything. Uh, but, but that was why they went after Paul and Silas. And, and anyway, they, they said what they told them was they're preaching against the Roman and against the Jewish laws. They're, dis, they're disrupting them in the city. So what they do? They beat the living tar out of them. Beat the living tar out of them. Threw them in jail, in chains. And they were in jail, in chains. Everybody knows the story. And about the midnight hour, what did they do? They began to complain. No, they began to praise God, singing hymns, spiritual songs, and began to pray. And the place was shaken. The Holy Spirit came in and gave them the things that they needed. And the jails were broke open. The chains were broke free. They got up and, and were praising God. And we know the story, the jailer that did all these horrible things came running in there and tried to kill himself. And Paul said, no, don't kill yourself. Man, if that had been me, I'd said, man, you deserve it. Kill yourself. Man, you just beat the tar out of me for no reason. That's most of us in here. That's me, man. How many times when the scripture said there, love is not liking it when somebody's hurting? That's what that's talking about. He deserved it. 
He earned that one. How many times do we say that? But Paul said, oh no, you don't deserve that. You don't deserve death. And he goes, oh, what, my, what, what did I do? But he's saved. And he led him to Christ. The guy that did all these horrible things to him, he led to Christ. And know what? His whole family too. His whole family. You see, that's love. That's love. And that's the kind of love that God wants us to have in 2019. Realizing that God loves us. And we felt that today and we feel it all the time, but we need to live in it all the time. We need to to love him back by honoring his word, honoring his commandments, by walking with him. And man, we need to love others. And guys, I mean it really work on loving others. It's hard. It's hard not to say negative things. And, and I mean, and it, it's just hard. We don't realize it. But I challenge you for 2019 to not say a negative word about anybody. Because I bet you none of you will be able to do it. That's how hard it is. But we can do all things through Christ Jesus who gives us strength. And that's what he's called us to do. And, and when we become loyal to that, when we become loyal to that, to him, that's when he's going to start sending these people in. But we like to pick and choose who we're going to minister to. And guys, the ones he's probably putting in your life is the ones you don't want to minister to. The ones that make you feel uncomfortable, the ones that said bad things about you, the ones that took your farm from you. That's usually the ones you don't want to minister to, and that's the ones that you do want to minister to. When we say, I am yours, Lord, that means to whatever he wants to do. If you're here today and you haven't accepted Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, that's number one. None of this is going to happen without that. And the world tries to tell you there's lots of ways to heaven. There's one way, and that's through Jesus Christ. You need to repent of your sins. You need to confess him before the body, and you need to be baptized. And if you haven't done that, you need to do that. That's the the first act of obedience. If you haven't done that, you can't be obedient to anything else. Second thing is here, be filled with the Holy Spirit. All of us say we're filled with the Holy Spirit, but have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of tongues, prophecy, with the evidence of a gift of God working in your life? See, there's evidence come by, with the power. And then the, then the last thing is just say, God... I'm willing to, to, to take this challenge on this year. Lord, I want to love people. Help me to love people. If you'll take that challenge, we'll stand up today. These altars are open today. If you need prayer for anything, I want you to come up.